So today, um, you, uh, you are here on a very important Sunday. And so here's what I'd like us to do this morning. We're going to spend some time in God's Word in Matthew chapter 25. And then uh, I want to help you understand it's a parable. It's called the parable of the talents. So it'll be in Matthew 25, verse 14. If you have your copy of God's Word, if not, it'll be on the screen for you in a minute. And what I want us to do is I want us to walk through this passage and understand its interpretation, then apply it in each one of and then in particularly, I want to apply it to our church family here as we prepare for what God has for us coming up next. And uh, as Tom alluded to, we have been in a series on Exodus, but we're going to press pause for a minute just for this time. So this is Matthew 25. Here's the words of Jesus, beginning in verse 14. And it's a parable. Just so you know, a parable is a story that takes something common to help us. It's a common story that helps us understand a spiritual truth. And so Jesus does this a lot. He's really good at putting top shelf stuff, top top shelf items on the bottom shelf. Do you know what I mean by that? Um, you know, we in my house, uh, my, my little boy is seven now, and which is crazy to me, but he's seven. And so there's some things that we don't have to do. We used to have to do as a kid, like when we were parents of a child that we don't have to do anymore. Like when he wakes up, we don't have to necessarily get up. Okay. So it's because he can go do things that, w- that won't break the house and he usually doesn't. And so we can let him get up. Also, we've taken the top shelf, like his cups, you know, a little kid with a, like an open container, like a cup is like the most dangerous thing in the world. Okay. You know that. I mean, it's like, Oh, look, I'm going to pour this juice in your computer. Okay. Um, but when you get to when they get to a certain age, you can take the top shelf things and put them on the bottom shelf. And so what he can do now, which is glorious, if he wants something to drink, we'd be like, go to your cups and there's water in on the and that comes out of the fridge door. You do it. OK, so here's the good thing about this. Jesus takes top shelf stuff and he puts it on the bottom shelf for us to help us understand it. And so here's what happens in Matthew 25, verse 14. It says this for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two. To another, one. To each, according to his ability. And so this servant, this, this man is going on a trip, and he's entrusted these servants with different talents. Now, as soon when you hear talent, you're thinking, like, America's got talent, okay? This is not what he's talking about. This is not like, oh, look, he can juggle, because that would be really hard to impart, okay? When he left, he was like, all right, so I'm leaving. I'm going to give you four abilities before I leave, which that would be cool if he could do that. But this talent is a measure of money, okay? Just so you know that. All right, so we get in verse 16. He who had received the five talents went and once went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also the one that had two talents, which is a monetary sum, he made two talents more. So let's do some math real quick. So the one who had five got five more. How many does he have? Good. The the school system is not failing us. Okay, 10. The second one had two talents, and how many did he come back with? Four. There you go. So doubling the money there. But he who received the one talent, this is verse 18, but he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So the first two are wheeling and dealing. The third one's like, I can't lose this. So he digs a hole in the ground, okay? So I guess he didn't trust a bank or his mattress. It's a hole in the ground, all right? And so we get to verse 20. It says, now after a long time, unspecified long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more and said, master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have five talents more. And his master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. 
enter into the joy of your master. Now, obviously, this is something that should make this person happy, by the way, okay? Because you imagine this. Let's say you gave your kids some money to go somewhere, all right, to the movie. All right, they came back from the movies, and not only do they have that money, but they have more money. First off, you're going to ask a lot of questions, like, where did you, where did you go to get this extra money? But that is not, this is a good thing. He's entrusted these guys with this money, and he's come back with, with this, this return on his investment, and he's very pleased. The master is very pleased. And it says, verse 22, and he also had, and he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you have delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I know you, are, you, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you do not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Now the reaction is going to be far different to this third servant. Verse 26. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have at least received what was my own interest or my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast and he cast the worthless servant into outer darkness, in the place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Which seems a bit hard, because this guy just gave his money back, but he goes out to weeping and gnashing of teeth, which shows that there is something more going on in this situation. First off, let's look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 and the parable that precedes it is the parable of the 10 virgins. And it has to do with being ready for the return of Jesus. Okay. And it means stay ready. This one, and here's how the gospels are themed. If we're telling a story, and I've, you've heard me say this before, but in case you've forgotten or you've slept since then, or, or you just maybe just, it just slipped your mind. The gospels are set up not chronologically. If we tell a story, it's chronologically. It's, this is the beginning, this is the middle, this is the end. Here's what happens. The gospel stories, they don't tell, there's a chronology to them, there's a timeline, but they also, they group material based on themes, okay? And this theme is about being ready for when Jesus returns again. You have this situation in Matthew chapter 25, or Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus talks about the temple being destroyed, and that he's going to destroy the temple, and then raise it up in third day, raise it up on third day, he's talking about his body, but he's also talking about the temple in Jerusalem, and then you have all these different situations situations that are happening with he's talking about how bad it's going to be when the temple in jerusalem falls in in matthew chapter 24 and we get to matthew chapter 25 and he says you need to be ready every now and then just more than every now and then some christian pastor theologian preacher are going they're going to put their foot in their mouth and they're going to say i believe jesus is going to come back on january 21st 2020 you've heard me talk about that all the time that and if somebody says it makes everybody real nervous and they usually, they, they couch it in like real apocalyptic terms. The last one that scared everybody to death was the blood moons, which sounds really bad, okay? Anything with blood in it sounds bad. And then the moon being blood sounds very like, you know, the shining or, or very sci-fi. And that was all hogwash and, and, and malarkey, okay? And the next time somebody does it, it's going to be hogwash and malarkey. You know why? 
Those are technical theological terms. Because Jesus said that no man will know the time and the seasons when he returns. But the Bible does tell us to be ready. It tells us to be ready with knowing that, our, that we have faith, saving faith, born again faith in Jesus. But it also gets us to the place where we must be ready and willing to do the work. In this particular parable, the master here, though all the characteristics can't be applied to God, we see in this, God is the master here. And he's given each one of these servants a talent. Now, it's money, okay? Now, we think of talents, again, it's going to be hard for us to think about it in the form of talents because we're thinking like juggling or unicycling or I don't know why those like circus ones come to my mind, but, you know, or music or whatever, okay? Um, Those are the things that come to mind. In each one of the situations, God has given each person, each of these servants individually a different amount, okay? The first servant, how many to get? And he used it and he put it to work and how many ended up with? Ten, okay? So there was a return on investment of, you know, basically got all of it back and then some, okay? So that was, and then what does the master do? Does he, is, does he applaud that or does he, does he say, bad job? He applauds it. Oh, this is great. You did great. And now that I've entrusted you with a little, I will entrust you with more. Come in. You can enjoy my good graces. And that's amazing. So there's something to be given. This person uses it as it ought to be, and there's a return on the investment. The master is happy. The second one has a different amount, okay? The second one has how many talents? Two, okay? And then they end up with four. Now, that was not like the piece, okay? That was just the four, okay? Um, He's got four talents. Two goes four, all right? Um, He has the four talents, right? And so what what does the master do? Does he reprimand him? Well, you know... Not as good as number one here. Number one, I gave him five, and he comes back with ten. And listen, I gave you a two. You don't even have as much as I gave the guy the first place. The first guy, you you only got four. I gave him five, and now he's got ten. He doesn't. Does he give him a hard time about only having four? No, he doesn't. He says, "Well done." In fact, it's almost exactly the same. Good job coming to my graces. You. You, you are who I entrust, who've been entrusted with a little. You'll be, you'll be entrusted with much more. Now, who's the one that gets in trouble? The last servant. The last servant does not, maybe he understands in this particular story, not every, in a parable, not every aspect of a parable has to be, uh, majored on, okay, to get the gist of it, okay? It's like, you know, every analogy breaks down. You know that to be the case, right? Eventually. So you can't push every, but you get the point of it. Okay, that that's that's pretty fair. We can we use a lot of times we use a lot of language that's that's figurative. So this breaks down if you so this guy, he does not see the master. Maybe the master is a mean guy. But in this case, he does not see the master like the other other two do. And he what he does is he goes and he doesn't even invest this money that the master's given him. He only gets one talent. Okay, so he gets less than the other ones. And so he gets this one talent. So what does he do? He buries it in a hole in the ground. Now, if you're thinking, because there's a lot of people that that's, you got the, the, the parable Jesus told of the treasure hidden in the field and that was buried in the ground. And some people in the Middle East at this time period, the way that they did things was to, when they got something really valuable, they buried it in a hole in the ground, like a troll or something. Okay. This is obviously not his only option because when the master comes back, he's like, you didn't even put it in the bank. Because if you put it in the bank, you could get interest on it. 
But he was so afraid and he took what he had been given and he was so afraid of losing it and he was so afraid of, of disappointing the master or the possible ramifications of not using it properly. You know what he did? He took it and instead of even putting it in the bank, he finds a shovel, I guess, maybe he hand dug it, okay? But it, he takes this and he puts this money in the ground. And the harsh rebuke is not to the one with the four who didn't get the big return. The harsh rebuke goes to this man who took what he had been given by the, by the master and didn't do anything with it. And so at the end of this, too, note there's a heightened, this last verse in verse 30, this heightened language here is meant to show us that Jesus is not just talking about a situation where, man, you know what, I can apply this and I need to hire good people who will make an return on investment. That's not what this is about. Although that's a smart move. Verse 30 helps us see it. Actually, go back up to verse 29. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not... Even what he has will be taken away. So this man loses, remember he loses the talent and they give it to the guy who had 10. Then verse 30, and not only will you lose your stuff, verse 30, and you'll be cast at, and, and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. Not only is it outer darkness, it says in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to there. Okay. I really do not. It says, not only do you lose, if you, if you take this talent and you take what the master's given you and you don't use it as you ought, not only is it going to be taken away from you and you're going to be, you're going to get the reprimand, but you're going to be thrown into outer darkness. That is a concept right there. I don't know if you, um, I don't know if you've ever been afraid of the dark or you know somebody who is afraid of the dark, but I will tell you this. Things are much more frightening in the dark. Like when we lived in Louisville, we were touching up to Indiana. If you want to have a good time, don't go to Indiana. Okay. (laughs) Um, But we went to Indiana. There was an apple orchard up there and in the apple orchard was a cornfield. Again, it's Indiana. Okay. And so we went to a corn maze. Now, if you look at the corn maze on just any like during the day you know what it looks like corn and it's not very frightening and it's not very ominous but you go at night and you get separated from your party in a corn maze and then you think about all the things that are bad that have happened in indiana in your mind and you're like oh my gosh okay if you're from indiana here i love you god bless you thanks for being in tennessee you're welcome um so um it gets really, and then you add if it's like doing a Halloween thing, and you got somebody with like a little. It, it's so funny, it's like a hedge, like a hedger can sound like a chainsaw when you're in the cornfield at night in the outer darkness. Okay, and so just get this idea. He says this this servant is going to be cast out into outer darkness. So this is going beyond the pale of of just physical on this earth punishment, because then it goes and there is a place of weeping. Crying, not just crying, but hard, ugly crying, sorrowful crying, and gnashing of teeth. Which, that just sounds rough, but just imagine the grinding of teeth 
in a way that is painful, in a way that shows excruciating pain. And so this servant not only shows that they don't have a a proper respect for the master or what he's given them, but he doesn't know the master and he will be thrown out. So here's, the, here's how I told you. I want to walk through so you understand what's happening. And then I want to help us understand how this applies. And so here's how it applies first and foremost, okay? And then understand the interpretation. In each of these situations, God gives a good gift to his servant. And I want you to know this. In every one of our lives, if you are following Jesus, he has given you many good gifts. Number one, you know what the best gift of all is? That you know God now. That you once were dead in your trespasses and sin. You went your own way. You did your own thing. But the Lord laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. And when you come to faith in Christ, you have received a new life, a new spirit. And now you are born again. The sins of the past are gone. They have been forgiven. They have been paid for. Not just have they been forgiven, but they were paid for by Jesus. And his resurrection is the receipt that the payment has been accepted. And in him, you now have a new life with salvation and you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit like we just sang about a few minutes ago. And now you have the life of God in you. You now know God in Christ and you are indwelt with his spirit and you are a new creation. And he at least has given you that. And he's given you a voice and a testimony to tell someone else about that. So he has given you that. But how much more has he given his servants? And listen, when you become a new creation, when you're saved, then everything in your your bank account and everything in your life, it's no longer yours because you've been bought with a price. It's now his. And everything that you have now, when it transfers to him, is for him and his glory and his goodness and for him being known in the world. And then when we look at our blessings, not just as, man, this makes me comfortable, but man, God has given me so much. And if you, were, if you and I were really honest today in this room, and I know there's many sorrows and I know there's many troubles and I know there's probably financial issues all around, but I want you just to think for a minute, God has given you so much. He really has. If you woke up in a bed today or on a couch or on an air mattress, you are living better than most of the world. I know it's a little bit warm in here because this building's falling down around us. I know that. And we're going to get to something about that in a little bit. Okay, it's going to be good news. I know you might be a little uncomfortable, but you know what? There's prospect of AC probably in your automobile. And you have an automobile which makes you richer than most of the people in the world. Today, if you have breakfast and you're going to, you have the prospect of really having lunch and you're like, why are you bring up lunch, man? I was zoned in. You said lunch. Now I'm thinking about burritos. Sorry, first off, but if you have that prospect, God has given you that and it is a good gift. Not only that. Okay. So I'm building the case here. But also, if you are in Christ and you're a new creation, he is not just giving you that, but he has given you a purpose for your life. And he's given you good works that he created you to do. You go back to Ephesians chapter 2, okay? Because I want to be really clear. Salvation never comes by works. We can never earn God's favor, but he gives it graciously. We go to Ephesians chapter 2. What does it say? For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It's a gift of God apart from works so that no man or woman or anybody on the earth can boast. But... Verse 10, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus 
for good works planned beforehand. So when you were in the womb and even before he was going to, he created you and then he was going to save you and you walked in your sin in your own darkness, but he radically saved you, not because of anything good you did, but because of his grace and mercy. And then he created you for good works. Like you were made for that. Not only does he make you for good works and they were created beforehand for you and they're your works to do. They're not, not, they're not just our works, or the pastor's works or the elder's works or the deacon's works or the church's works. It's your works in part of this. It doesn't save you, but you're created for these now that you have been saved. They're for you to do. Not only did he create you with the purpose to do good works and the plan for you to do good works, but he also empowers you by the spirit of God with supernatural Holy Spirit given abilities to do these things. So you, in, and I know you're looking right now and you're thinking, Matt, I would never speak in front of a crowd like you do every week. Well, big whoop. Okay. Big whoop. Okay. I stand up a bunch of people and talk. Okay. You have been given a gift of the spirit. You may have the gift of encouragement. You have a testimony, so you already have that. You have the spirit indwelling you. And that means you can, through you telling the gospel, you can actually alter somebody's entire life, which is amazing. But let's go even a step further than that. You, each of you, each and every believer in here is part of the body of Christ. And as part of the body, there is no part that does not have a function. And it need, it's needed. And not only that, do you have a function? But you've been gifted for that. God has given you gifts. I don't know what it is. The only thing I'm good at is having people over. Look at that. You have the gift of hospitality. I, I don't know. I, all I think I can do is sometimes I, all I, th- I just feel I can't help. But I, all I do is just write notes of encouragement sometimes. Encouragement right there. I don't know what I can do. But I can, I can stand and let the kids Go crazy downstairs while I try to keep some sort of semblance. Amen. Okay. God's given you grace. Okay. There. There's so many things. You've been created for good works. You've been gifted for good works. And all those things have been given. And here's the thing. Each of us will have a different variance of gifts. Not, all, not any of us. Because just like all the parts of the body, as Paul would talk about in Ephesians chapter 5, all the, parties, all the parts of the body have different functions and different, different strengths and different things that they do. Each one of us, like that, has those different things. And it's not about how much gifting that you had, have. It's about how you use it. You know why I say that? Because the guy that had five and came up with ten, the, the baller, the guy who was making some money, he gets the same well done pat on the back as the person that had two. And so it doesn't matter how gifted you are or how little of a gift that you have or how little your finances are or how little your family is or how little your situation is or how little your your platform is, it doesn't matter as long as you use it for the kingdom. The worst thing you can do is waste what you have been given because it shows you don't know God. And there's this wailing and gnashing of teeth that's coming, which is talking about hell and destruction forever. But it also you know how sad it would be to succeed at everything that doesn't matter in life? 
it would be just, it'd be, it'd be crazy. At the end of, the year, at end of the, your life, and you got what you consider is a good life, and you have to stand before the, the king, Jesus, and you have to give an account for your life. And he was like, you did, everything you did didn't matter. It just totally didn't. You were, you were worried about what other people thought of you and not about what I thought. You were, you, you thought that the way that to, to be esteemed was to succeed in your field, to exceed in athletics, to, to exceed in your family, to exceed in these things. And none of those are wrong, but you missed it. You missed the point, which was me. You missed my glory. You missed the fact that I gave you those things to do good works with them. You wasted it. And there's a theologian that, um, that I like to quote and like to read. His name is John Piper. And at his house, when he was a little boy, his dad, who was also a preacher, had this, had this sign up. And you've, made me heard, you've probably heard this before, but it begs just to kind of get it in the brain. One life will, sh- will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. This parable is Jesus emphasizing the point to be ready, yes, with the ten virgins that happens in the beginning of chapter 25 of Matthew. But in this particular one, the point is clear. It doesn't matter how much you've been given, servants. It's what you do with what you've been given that matters. And will you take what you've been given? Because, yes, I know you're thinking, I don't have much to offer. You have something because he gave it to you. You at least have your salvation. And right now, if you're in this room, your, your body's functioning. You have something to give to him as an offering. The person that messes up in this situation is the one who takes what he has been given from God. The, the abilities, the gifts, the talents, the finances, the resources, the family, everything about him. And he hides it and he, uses, he doesn't use it at all because he's afraid and he has a small vision of God in the world. So here's what I'm, I'm telling you. When I look out at this room, I see men and women who have been saved by the Lord and given gifts and abilities. Now, our gifts and abilities may not be like Cornerstone Nashville, who's having an in, which is like a church in Nashville who's having indoor fireworks, okay? We don't have that. We ain't never going to do that. I saw it, at the, I saw it at the, on the screen at the movies the other day. I was like, dang, that's a church doing indoor fireworks. Well, we're not doing that, okay? Okay, I'm not gassing songs with them or what. That's crazy, okay? That's a lot of We don't got that. That ain't walking in the door. And there's somebody with gifts and abilities and talents and finances that can write checks, that can pay for things. We don't got that here either, and that's okay. What we do have is blood-bought people who are around the scriptures, around the Bible, who are, who are obeying the ordinances together of baptism and of the Lord's Supper. And we're coming here, and we're wanting to be people of the book. We're wanting to make much of Jesus. And, and here's the deal. I want to encourage you not to waste what God has given you. I see potential all around because of God working his 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 truth and his love and his goodness in us through his spirit it's good news and the only way you can screw up is if you don't do anything with it he does not now there was risk involved because when you go and you try to make money you can lose the money so these people they risked the five dollars he was the master wasn't concerned that they risked he was concerned that they used it. 
the person that gets that gets the ba- the bad rap and the person that gets the the punishment is the one who doesn't do anything with it. So my question is, what are you doing? What are you doing in your life? What are you investing in for the gospel, for the glory of Christ in your life individually? Now I want you to take it a step further. What are you doing in your life as a family? How are you how are you leveraging what you have as a family to make much of Jesus? How are you doing that? How are you investing? And then I finally, I want us to ask this on a, on a bigger scale. How are we investing as a body of believers, as the Journey Church Hartsville, as this local body of believers here? How are we investing in ministry that matters and in, in stuff that, that really matters in the future? And so um, this week, we've had a good week. Um, as many of you know, uh, we have had a property that we have been looking into to get, a rental property. I want to tell you why we've been looking into this. Many of you, if you come in here and you've been coming just for a short time, or we, we do a pretty good job, I feel like, of putting lipstick on a pig. Okay, by that I mean this building is, is very old and it has served us well. So I do not want to, again, look against what God has already given us, okay? Um, but... Um, it is deteriorating, and it has become ab- abundantly clear that there is no measures that will be taken to remedy us in this current facility of that. Also, if you note, this is not the most inviting place to come uh, for a couple reasons. Number one is, where do you walk in? People are constantly confused as to where to walk in this place. And then you, you're here today. You persevered, okay? I know we usually have signs, but it's not the most inviting little place to, to, to come into. Um, but the major issues are roofing, AC, and um, we need to make a move and a change. And so we've been, at, we talked in a members meeting in March about getting plans made to move into a brand new facility. Well, as things tend to go, it lasted forever. We were in the limbo of construction and planning nightmare, okay? But this week, the glorious fog of that terror has lifted. And Friday, we signed a lease to, to rent for the next five years, the building right down here that's next to Trousdale Comfort, the three buildings together that are, are lit together uh, um, next to Trousdale Comfort. And yes, that's the building. Um, now, if you look at it, so, okay, first off, I want you to go, that doesn't look much better than now. Okay. I, I can hear it and I already hear it. Okay. It's a thousand square foot bigger. Secondly, when we sign this lease, I don't just want you to know something. We got people who care about this building. Okay. Not this one, but that building, the, the people who own it, they care about it. Okay. And they want us to be there, which is even better. Okay. I want you to know this. When we ain't ink that deal, they are putting a roof on that thing this week. So we will not have to worry about buckets full of water in the corner. And you're like, where is that? Don't worry if you don't know, okay? Those of you who know, you know. You don't have to worry about that anymore because we're going to have a new roof. Plus, we're going to have at least one brand new AC system and they're all going to work. You know why? Because they're AC people right next to us. It's unbelievable. So that's the building. 
we got some work to do. We started a little bit yesterday. We didn't, I know that some of you, if you missed out, it wasn't because we don't love you and didn't want you to be involved. It was just, we hadn't told everybody yet. And then some of us who knew about it, we were like kids with a, in, like on Christmas and we couldn't wait to open it. And we're like, yeah, let's go break things. And so we kicked drywall down yesterday. It was really fun. And then if you go to the next slide, that's actually, this is the floor plan as it stands right now. It is, this is the thing that has taken us forever, but it is done. I know you can't, you're going to have to have a little faith to see where this is going, but it's going to be bigger spaces in all areas for the most part and better spaces across the board. And what now, now what are you saying? What, how are you connecting these two things? Well, God has not only given us individual purposes, workmanship, work for us to do, created beforehand, as Ephesians would say. But he's given us corporately as a church good work to do. Now, when you look at this, this is not the ministry. This is a place of safety where we can house the ministry. But I also tell you this. when When a group of people in a town like this, when we take Jesus seriously... We put ourselves on the line. Um, this has costed far more, just to be honest with you, than we had, ever, we had expected. We're already into with these plans and having to deal with, with draftsmen and, and engineers and stuff like that. This has been an expensive proposition. And it will be an expensive proposition as we go forward. And what we're doing here is we, Tom and I and, and talking with some other folks have kind of come to this place and this decision is we either do this and get, get a little risky or we stay safe and we don't do anything. And this immediately, when we started talking about this, this scripture started beating my brains in, me and Tom. Because here's the thing. If you don't risk it, there's no biscuit, okay? I just want you to, like, like, you have to. Jesus is worthy. He's worthy. This is not going to solve our problems. This is not going to be the end all be all, but it will get us in a place where we can do the mission of the church, which is make disciples, which is our, which we've been talking about for a while is leading people on a journey towards Jesus to meet them where they are, no matter where they are and to disciple them, which disciple means to make them a follower of Jesus. And we need a safe place to do that. And we need together. This is our good work and we are going to have to risk it for the biscuit. And and what I mean by that is we got to put all in if we're going to do this. I know we already signed the thing. I know you're like, you did it already. I know. We got to go together. And this is important for all of us to be involved. And so here's how you can be involved. And I got a list of how you can be involved because I was afraid I'd forget it. And here it is. Number one, you can pray. If you don't have any construction skills, you can pray. If you do have construction skills, you can pray. If you're somewhere in the middle, you can still pray. And you can pray that the Lord would, would move in our midst and that he would. There's a still, like, there's a bunch of moving parts. And anytime you do construction, there's things that can fall apart. Just pray for safety. Pray for, for the inspections to go well. Pray for all those things, okay? God has already answered prayers, but he just not, has not answered them on our timetable. Surprise, okay? And then, second thing. We're going to, I want to ask you to join us for work days, okay? So you can actually put your hands in. Now, here's the deal. If you don't think you can work at the new building, we still need to clean up stuff here because even though this has not been, um, anyway, even though we're going to leave this place better than when we found it, put it that way. You know, 
give God the glory. Because he deserves it. And so on Saturday, June the 15th, 22nd and 29th, so if you're wondering what that is, it's every Saturday between 9 and the 29th. We're going to invite you at 9 o'clock. People will be over at the new building. Uh, people over here probably doing some work, just getting us ready, decluttering, getting ready for the move. We invite you to come and be a part of that, 9 until. So if you can only give an hour, that's fine. Um, if you want to, you know, we need you to do a couple of things. First off, we, we can't have kids in there. Okay. And so if you, if you want to come, try to work with church members, this is another way you can do. Maybe you don't have the gift of construction, but you got the ability to watch children. Okay. God bless you. That's an ability in and of itself. And so you can do that. Um, you maybe can bring snacks if you can't do some of that kind of stuff. Cause you know, you're, when we're kicking through drywall, we are putting up a wall. Snacks would be good, or drinks, or whatever. You can you can participate in that. We don't we don't need kids to be up there because it's a dangerous environment. And if you come, we invite you anybody to come. Okay, um, we need you to wear closed toed shoes, have eye protection, and bring gloves. Just that's for your own thing. We want to keep everybody safe. And then finally, um, the third thing you can do, and there's there's many other things you can do. If you if you if you want to help during the day. Um, come and see Roy. Would you raise your hand real quick? Roy Richardson is our deacon slash contractor slash buddy. Okay. And, uh, so he, come talk to him, put you to work. If you have the flexibility of working during the day. Okay. I know I'll be over doing some stuff with him as well, but on the, th- the last thing you could d- give, and as I mentioned, we have a certain amount, we are not a mega church. Okay. I don't know. You know, you're surprised by that. Our, our annual budget for the church is between one hundred and one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. Okay, it's not a huge budget, um, and most of that is spent on. Well, you got you, you pay me something, okay, um, and but mo- the rest of that money is spent on all the infrastructure and the the all the things that we do. And so it's God has given us what we needed, and sometimes a little bit more, but most of the time we're right at that like break even point. We've had some money over the times when we've done these forward campaigns, which have been us raising money, and we've been able to accumulate some money that we have, and we've already used some of that money, and we've had some donations come in to get us to a place where we think the, res- the renovations are going to cost around $20,000. At this point, it looks like we can handle it, but we're right on the razor's margin of getting like tight. You know when the family budget gets tight and everybody goes, okay, and you're like making hamburger helper without the hamburger, okay? Um, you've been there probably. We don't want to get, because this is, this is just for our long-term viability, we don't want to get Hamburger Helper without the hamburger, okay? And so we're going to invite you to help participate, and us as well, to help participate on uh, June the 30th, which is the last Sunday in June. We're going to call it, um, I think we should call it Finally Forward. I haven't talked to Tom, but <laughs> Finally Forward Campaign, okay? <laughs> you like it? I got an approval in the back. The Finally Forward Campaign. And we're going to invite you to give on that Sunday to Finally Forward, okay? Not, this is a part over and above what your, your normal giving. And you know we're not a church that, that harps on that all the time because we, we just trust God and all those situations. But we, we believe that this is the necessary risk and what we need to do to invest in this community and invest in the gospel ministry in this community going forward. And so on the 30th, we're going to invite you to give towards that goal. And um, there's some ways you can do that. Um, in the past, some of the ways that really have blessed people have been to, to pick something in their life to forego for a season over the next uh, three or four weeks. And it's like, say, I'm not going to Starbucks. I'm taking all my Starbucks money and I'm going to put it in and I'm going to give it this way. Or maybe you have some, you know, you've been waiting to give. We're going to invite you to do that June the 30th. If you can't do that, then listen, 
God's going to work. Listen, you, whatever you've been given, make much of it for Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do. Because here's the thing. This building beforehand has been many things. And if you look through the, the stratosphere of the roofs above us and the wallpapers, and this was a movie theater, and then this was a church, and then it was a different, then it was our church, and then this, this floor was, used to go down, and now it goes up, and then there used to be a fireplace, and now there's no fireplace, and, and the ACs used to work, and now they don't. And you know what I mean? Like all those things, and they've worked, and they've not worked. This is a, this is a new day for us. And it's also, we were, a, we were a church that was a satellite campus of our brothers and sisters at Journey in Lebanon. And that's been a great thing. And then when we had leadership in place, they planted us as our own autonomous thing. And then we went through a pastor search, which thank God you called me, okay, because I love being here. And I, I, I just really do. And God called me here and, uh, and, and the fam. And, um, for this last, these last years, we've been beating our brains against uh, what are we going to do? And Tom and I feel like our job and purpose is not just to, to lead you to Jesus, but to plant this church in this community because we've always, we've been always on somebody else's. It's like this. When you buy a plant at Lowe's, okay, like a, it'll grow inside that plastic pot that it comes in. But for it to really thrive, what do you got to do? You got to take it out and you got to put it in the soil. And this is us and our attempt of putting this church in the soil here. Because you know what we want to do? We want to impact this county for Jesus. We want people, we want high school kids and middle school kids and elementary school kids to know that they may not come to our church and that's whatever, that they know that this is a place that's about Jesus and they know that they're going to get loved here and they're going to get pointed to Jesus. We want people in this town to know like, man, I'm, 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 I'm struggling. I don't know where to go. You can walk through these doors and you're going to get Jesus and you're going to get a hug. We want that to be what this county, that's what we want to be here. That's that we want to plant firmly here. And I'll tell you something, worst thing we could do is not try. The worst thing we could do is just let it ride and be comfortable. The worst thing we could do, according to scripture, is to take what we've been given and hide it away and not risk it. So my, my challenge to you, and this was, this was a throwaway phrase, but we're going to risk it for the biscuit, Okay. We're going to do it. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do now. All right. And uh, I'm going to forego communion this morning because we're going to do In fact, actually, we're going to take it with us. Um, it's not raining outside. You don't have to do this. If you're physically unable, you can hang here. But we are actually going to walk out these doors. Tom, can you lead us? Handed the baby off. Uh, everybody look at Tom. We are actually going to walk down to the new uh, the new. Uh, area and we're going to do communion and pray out in front of the new building because it's not very far from here okay we'll take the communion with us yeah we'll distribute down there all right so if you want to that's how we're going to end church oh yeah we should probably turn around the offering too let's hand out the offering now and then we're going to get that so 
Um, offering team. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I didn't, we didn't plan this last part, but we, we want to like do that. So we're going to take the offering right now. And then I say, go ahead and get prepared. You can leave the kids here for right now. Not all day. Okay. Cause they'll, they will not like you downstairs, but we're going to, we're going to walk together. If you, if you're physically unable or uncomfortable with that, you can hang and you'd be dismissed. God bless you. We love you. But we want to just, we want to thank God and pray over that new place and do communion out there together. Cause that's what binds us. So, and thank God it's not raining. So Tom's in the back with the communion. Tom, uh, since you're the tallest one as the pillar of cloud, would you lead us out down the street?